the fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Borio Udemi, and I'm joined by Justin McCabe. Uh, today we'll be talking Liverpool versus Manchester City. Uh, we'll be talking about the winter transfer window, uh, what teams did well and which team basically did not do well. Um, I'll have my update about Syria. And uh, also we have a guest on the show today. His name is Manny Ramirez, a um, amazing and I would say very passionate uh, Chelsea fan. Uh, and we'll hear more about him after um, this intro. Um, and then we have a new segment introduced by Manny himself uh, called the yellow card or red card. So uh, stay tuned and listen and, and watch out for that sec- segment. Um, and finally, as usual, we always have the random fact of the episode. Um, and guess what? Manny is going to do that also. He has a very good one this week um, that kind of connects Chelsea and Nigeria together. So I'm very excited for that. But let's start with the EPL. And <clears throat> we're recording on the day of the Super Bowl. And uh, so I appreciate you, Manny and Justin, for being here. Uh, but let's start out with Liverpool and Manchester City. Um, if you've not seen the scores, I'm sure you have, but if you've not seen the scores, it ended up one goal to Liverpool and four goals to Manchester City. I really enjoyed that game. And it was just amazing to see Liverpool fall apart Um Sorry about that, Liverpool fans. But I want to start with Manny. Uh, first of all, Manny, do you want to say hello to everyone? Yeah. Hey, everyone. Happy to be here. Uh, it's been a long time coming. I know this. And, uh, you know, as our longtime Chelsea, I guess, uh, fan, I'm glad to finally speak up and speak my mind on what's going on. So a lot of good stuff coming your way. Thank you. Thank you for that, Manny. You, you're making me really laugh. Um, right here, but uh, let's start with you, Manny. Let's let's talk about the game today. Um, so obviously Liverpool lost. Uh, they it seemed like they were you know after one zero after after Manchester Manchester City scored a goal um, and then Liverpool you know equalized. I thought you know Liverpool were probably going to maybe you know get away with it and maybe come out with a draw, but then you saw them fall apart, um, especially in the second half. Um, from, from your point of view, Manny, uh, what do you think is is wrong with Liverpool right now? Yeah, I think there's a few things wrong with Liverpool at the moment. I mean, nothing's really going their way. But uh, if I had to uh, pinpoint it, it'd be just the VVD replacement. Um, if any team shows the importance of one player, the impact that one player can make on a team, it's definitely Liverpool. They just they just seem you know completely lost without him out there. And I know that they've been trying different center back pairings. I mean, you see midfielders back there. You've seen Jordan Henderson, you've seen Fabinho. I mean, you've seen everybody except for, you know, Firmino back there. And I think they really should have focused on finding a center back or a player that could potentially try to fill in that VVD size hole that they have back there because they're not the same team. Um, You know, they don't play the same way without him. They don't have his leadership, you know, Um, you know, it's just, they were all over the place and uh, you know, it's really not going well. Um, It's, it's going to be a tough long uh, run for them. I think in the next few uh, in the few matches that they have coming up. So. Yeah, no, thanks. And it does make sense. I think they are missing the leadership, like you're saying, and it's just sad to see them just fall apart like that. But let's not give the spotlight to them and, and their problems. Uh, Justin, I want to just talk about City for a second. You know, KDP has been missing for, what, the past three or four games. And it's just amazing to see that 
Manchester City are still able to come out with wins. I think they have something like 10 plus wins or even more back to back. It's it's crazy to see that with uh, Kevin De Bruyne. I've 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 been a, I've been somebody that I've always criticized um, uh, Manchester City for depending on KDB, but it turns out that they don't even need him, uh, and they still they're still winning. So, uh, from your point of view, Justin, what do you think? You know, City is doing well. Is, is there any kind of momentum they have? Like, how are they doing so well? Yeah. So it's kind of a, the reverse side of what Manny was just saying about Liverpool and Virgil Van Dijk where he's a key player that they have trouble replacing on the Liverpool side. Uh, We've seen over the past few weeks since uh, Kevin De Bruyne went down that Man City has the depth and the quality of squad to fill that hole. Um, I'm sure they would love to have him back, obviously, but they, you're right. They seem to be doing just, just fine without him for the time being. And uh, Bory, I know in previous episodes, you and I have discussed uh, repeatedly that this season more than any other due to COVID and due to the compressed schedule, how critical depth of squad was going to be. And I think we're seeing um, that in action here with Man City, how they have like, they're starting to pull away and hitting a different gear while pretty much the rest of the league, you can see having like uh, some faltering steps as we get deeper into the season and injuries and um, other uh, exhaustion issues start, start to pile up for other teams. Yep, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, Manny, um, so speaking about what the problem was with City last year, it was majorly their defense, you know. Um, would you say like a defender like Diaz or maybe Stones coming back from injury um, has also been a success to City's, uh, to City this evening? Is it, is, is, is it like comparable to what, you know, Liverpool was missing when they were missing the center back in, in Virgil van Dijk, and then he came in and then he changed everything. Do you think that that's also, uh, a, you know, a, a reason why CC could be successful? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think Justin nailed it there. Uh, this, the, the lack of depth, like you actually see it. And City, you know, there's no secret that they've gone out and spent, you know, tons and tons of cash trying to address this issue, right? And you can see it's finally coming to fruition. It's finally paying off the squad depth that they have versus Liverpool who haven't spent as much, you know, but we did see the fact that Liverpool had transformed when they brought in the likes of VBD, when they brought in the likes of um, Allison, although today he had, you know, probably the worst game he's ever had for Liverpool. Um, looked more like Karius out there today, honestly, but um, yeah, this just goes to show that especially in a season where I think the, the schedule is so compact and condensed, there's games coming every, you know, three to five days, um, you know, injuries are mounting up. We have COVID as well with the precautions, you know, it seems like the teams that are doing well or could do the best in the long run are the ones that actually have the depth at these positions of need. Yeah, actually, I want to jump in there because um, I think this all speaks towards a theory of success in the EPL that I'd like to float by you two, which is um, kind of like the, the, the teams that are struggling now, I feel like they're having either crises of identity or crises of personnel. Or in other words, uh, there are teams that have a solid playing style, but lack the squad depth to back that up. 
or vice versa. They perhaps have the, all the players that they need, but they're lacking that clear identity or that, that playing style that can drive them to victory. And so I, I think of players like, I think of teams rather like Spurs who were doing so well, obviously uh, with Jose Mourinho, he has a very clear philosophy. He, he works with his teams from the get-go to like drill in this, you know, a very um, adamant defensive mindset for his teams. Um, but it, his, his strategy was, as we've seen, I think, reliant on a few players, key, uh, mainly Harry Kane and Hyungman's son. And when one or both of them are out, this team, like, it looks like they have no ideas, no creativity. So that's a, a, an issue of squad depth for them. Whereas you think of um, a team like Chelsea, and I always love hearing Manny talk about Man City's spending sprees, but that's how you win in this league. It, it, there's nothing wrong with it. As an Arsenal fan, I'm, I'm jealous of it, frankly. But uh, in Chelsea's case, Chelsea has the personnel. They do have the squad depth, I believe. Um, they did great last year with a cast of kids. They brought in a bunch of talent, spent a, a, a bunch load this, this past summer, but, um, under Lampard and then now with a, you know, with a new coach trying to, to settle into a new style, um, the playing style, the tactics haven't been there. So squad depth alone can't do it. And, um, tactics alone can't do it if you don't have the right personnel. And so I think Manchester city to wrap it up, I think Manchester city has, has both. And that's really going to be the differentiator here for this season. I hear all of you and I, I want to agree with you, but I can't stay away from the facts that um, Liverpool has not had depth for about three seasons now. And they went on to win the Champions League. They went on to win the EPL last year. So would you just say Liverpool has just been lucky? Like Manny, is, is, that, is, that, is that basically what the answer is? Like they were just lucky those two years? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that uh, they got lucky, but luck is part of the game. I mean, we can see that based on, you know, their their showing in the last few years. When Klopp came in, um, he had a vision of where he wanted to be. I think his first season, he ended up something like eighth place in the table. But every year, he was progressing. Everybody knew what the problems were with Liverpool, what they needed to address, the positions of need, right? And then look at what happened when they actually went ahead and did that. Um, I think it was uh, to Justin's point. I mean, you're either, you know, have a kind of an identity crisis or you don't right? or you either have the personnel to deal with that or you don't. And, um, you know, the reason why I see city so far ahead is because they've had consistency across the board. I mean, all the players that they had um, are the ones that are actually making an impact on, on the field. I mean, none of the players that they recently purchased, I think uh, they had some wingers um, that have come in. Um, they haven't really done much. You know, this has been the squad that they've had for a while. It's just they've been hit by injuries, and they're finally, I guess, now getting around to playing well, playing together. They have that chemistry. Um, they have that mentality instilled with them, um, whereas, you know, with Liverpool, I don't know. Maybe it was they did get a little bit lucky, I'll say, you know, with some of their uh, with some of the results, especially the last year, uh, just creating that huge gap, you know, and allowing them to focus uh, elsewhere. But um, again, I don't think that that's easily replicated season in and season out. Yeah. OK, so let's let's bring it back to the game now. Um, and I'm going to ask you this tough question. Um, so 
uh, it may be a tough question or not, depending on how you see it. But Justin, I'm going to start with you. Uh, can you just tell me your man of the match? And I know there were many flops, but uh, from your point of view, who was the number one flop of this game? Uh, number one flop was uh, Allison. Yeah, the the goalkeeper for Liverpool. Um, we've seen a few like just critical errors, very uh, uncharacteristic of him. And in a game that was going to be tough from the get-go for him to make those errors that like really made the difference in the result. Um, and my man of the match, it's going to have to be Phil Foden. Uh, we saw Phil uh, put in a false nine position, very interestingly, in the first half and then into the second, which I think he kind of struggled in, frankly. But um, it's a new role for him, and we know Pep loves the false nine, so I'm sure we'll see Phil Foden in that position again. But then after... Um, Gabrielle came in and Foden was put back on the wing, his natural position, and he just excelled and he just like took the game away. He capitalized on Allison's errors particularly, but he created, um, he created, I think, two, two goals and then scored one of his own. So he's my man of the match. Cool. Um, so Manny, I'm going to, uh, you know, point it back to you. Uh, just give me one flop of the match and, and man, of the, man of the match. Sorry, you said one flop? Yes, give me one flop of the match and one man of the match. I mean, it's it's hard to argue against Allison and uh, the, those blunders. Like I said before, he looked more like Carius out there today than than you know than his normal self. Um, but secondly, I think I'd like to just point it at uh, Trent Alexander Arnold. Uh, you know, we know what he's capable of offensively, and today he showed off what he's incapable of defensively. I think uh, you know he actually lost his composure out there a few times. Got lucky not to have gotten, you know, a, a yellow card or anything past that, but he just kept getting beat over and over. And I, I, I just, there's no way that he can, he can play at the level that he, we know he can play at without a strong presence and, and, and that mid, uh, what, whatever formation it is that they switched to, because they've been switching it on and off with Fabinho, with the likes of Henderson. I mean, yeah, he's not. They're not going to do well anytime soon without any consistency back there on that back line. All right. Well, let's uh, talk about the the future of the season and predict what's going to happen. And Justin, this may be an easy one for you, but and an obvious one. But I want to test and see if the, if it's going to be really obvious. Um, who is going to be your favorite to win the league now, at this moment? Um. The, the English Premier League? Yes, yes. Oh, I don't even know why, you, why, <laughs> why you'd rather at, uh, bother asking me that. It's going to be Man City. <laughs> well, might I interest you in, in Manchester United? Because we've heard uh, some people say... I, I was high. Last, last episode, I was high on Manchester United, but <laughs> I just don't think you can lose to Sheffield United this year and be considered a contender for the title. So I think it's going to be right. Manchester City. For all those reasons that we said before about uh, depth and identity. Yep. Makes sense. And, and Manny, um, do you know, uh, you know, this, this also may be a tough question for you, but um, do you think Liverpool is going to make the top four? Oh, uh, that's really tough, man. Um, like, like I said, I don't know much about, um, I believe his name is uh, Kabak, which is the new center back that they brought in. I know we're going to talk about him later. I think if he hits the ground running, they just need some consistency back there defensively. Um, I just feel like they're going to find a way to squeak into some type of European competition. 
um, just because they have just so much quality that I, I just don't see them falling outside of a, a European spot. Um, I'm not going to say, um, you know, I won't say that it's going to be easy for them, um, but these next few games, I think, are really going to determine, um, you know, where they where they land. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, guys. I think, yes, it's very interesting to see. And I, and I agree with you, uh, Justin. I think City was going to win it. I thought you were just going to make things interesting for this podcast, but it looks like you're not going to do that. Um, but quickly, before we move out of the EPL, there was a game this weekend that also happened that was very thrilling. Um, and that was the Everton and Manchester United game. Um, and it ended up 3-3, um, I, I think, with a late winner from uh, DCL, uh, Carbett-Lewin. Um, Manny, do you have anything to say about that game and how interesting was that game? Yeah, um, this was, I'd say, one of the better games of the season. And the reason why is because I think that there was a complete turn of the game focus uh, at halftime. I mean, the first 45 minutes, it was Manchester United who dominated. But then to Justin's point, I think we started seeing the reason why I would rule Manchester United winning the league this year. And that's because they lost control so quickly. They were up 2-0 against Everton. Um, Everton really didn't look like they were threatening at all up until that point. And then you get Pogba who goes down with an injury, um, you know, and we've seen that. I think it's hard to argue with the, with the actual, I think, results of Manchester United in these last few games with the rise of Pogba back to his best, back to being the Pogba that they signed. And we know he can be, um, don't know, you know, what it's going to be long-term as far as the effect of him being out, because I think they really do need him in that midfield. Um, I don't think Fernandez can do it all on his own. Um, yeah, he probably has the, you know, the stat pads to back it up, but other than that, they need another player that can actually create. And I think that's one of those things where you saw why they wouldn't be able to continue this consistency and Everton went ahead and, you know, they, they, Credit to um, Ancelotti for switching it up. You know, the substitutions that he made, I think were spot on, bringing on Iwobi, you know, uh, more creative players, um, you know, and for, you know, DCL for actually stepping up and scoring. Like that last minute goal was, you know, insane. And we're so used to seeing that from Manchester United perspective where they get that last goal. It was actually refreshing to see them on the opposite end of that for once. So, um, you know, we'll see where, where this goes. I know Everton has, um, I believe, um, they have uh, Manchester City coming up. So we'll see, you know, if they can continue that form. So, Yep. Thank you so much, Manny, for that analysis of the game. Um, and as we stand, Manchester City is at 50 points with a game in hand and United is at 45 points. Um, so, it is definitely looking like a blue season this year. Uh, but let's move on to our next section. We're going to be talking about the winter transfer. That ended, uh, at least for the major leagues, on January 31st. Um, and uh, I just want to – so the way we're going to do this is I'm going to call out a name and, and the team that they they left and, and the team that they're moving to uh, – they moved to. And then I want Manny and Justin, I want you both to just tell me uh, who was the loser or who was the winner. Uh, or if uh, both teams that they 
that were involved uh, had a fair deal. Um, so let's start with the most, I think, probably the most interesting one uh, of this transfer market, um, and that's uh, Ozil. Uh, finally left Arsenal to Fenerbahce. Uh, Justin, uh, who's the winner? Who's the loser? Um, this was a long time coming. This transfer, uh, I think everybody knew that. Arsenal fans, every for a few transfer periods now, have been waiting for the news. Is also going to move? You know, this was talk about him going to MLS, going to DC United. Which living in DC, that would have been exciting for me to see him here. But he decided to go back. Uh, decided to go to Turkey rather. Um, and I've seen a TikTok of Ozil dancing it up, looking like he's having a great time. Um, I think Fenerbahce fans are very excited for his arrival. And Arsenal fans are, it's kind of a, a bittersweet feeling because he did have a lot, many great years, especially during the Arsene Wenger years, um, Ozil did. But for the past, you know, two, three years now, it's kind of seemed pretty obvious that it's about his time here is coming to a close. So I'm going to say winners all around on this transfer. Yep, sounds good. Um, and you get him off your wage bill, which is a huge thing for Arsenal. I mean, stop, stop buying well, players. Are, kind of, kind of. I, just, I have a question, though. I have a question for Justin. Is he still paying Gunnosaurus Rex wages? Who is paying Gunnosaurus Rex wages now? That's all I want to know. If not him, then someone should. Maybe uh, I will raise my hand to start passing around the collection tin for Gunnosaurus. Um, he cannot be allowed to go extinct. I like that. Go fund me. I like that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next player, uh, Fikayo Tomori, uh, on loan from Chelsea uh, uh, to Milan. Um, Manny, who, who's the winner? Who's the loser? Um, Short-term loser is um, Frank Lampard and Chelsea because we are seeing what Fikayo Tomori is capable of um, in Milan. I mean, he started his first game literally two days after arriving in Milan and put in, you know, a shift. Like we, we know, like Chelsea fans know what he's capable of coming up through the academy. Um, you know, so the fact that he's over there, um, you know, we're losers now. Now we may be winners. I mean, AC Milan obviously are winning because they needed uh, an additional defensive player back there a ball center, uh, or a, a ball playing center back, you know, and they got that in Tomori. Um, now I'll say that, you know, Chelsea may be winners if he ends up playing really well for them, learning under, I mean, Maldini, like if you're a defender, there's not very many players that you'll probably learn from than Maldini or learn more from than Maldini. So hoping that he decides to come back that AC Milan, like all Italian teams don't want to pay up and, you know, he'll come back and he'll slot right in. So we'll see. We'll see about that, Manny. Uh, let's move on to the next player. Um, Minamino, Liverpool to Southampton on the loan. Um, is there a loser or winner? Um, Justin? Um, I think this is kind of a curious one. I, I think the losers, you know, after we've seen today's match, we were just talking about Liverpool's uh, lack of depth. Um, I, I think Liverpool would be losers in this one. I think, you know, uh, resultingly, Southampton would have to be the winners because I think there is a talent in this player. Sounds good. Um, 
Next one is about Kabak and Mustafi. Justin, I'm going to throw this one at you as a bundle. But Kabak uh, on loan from Schalke to Liverpool and then Mustafi uh, released by Arsenal um, and he went to Schalke. So who, who, who are the winners here? Who are the losers here? Everybody wins again. <laughs> I think yeah, Arsenal had a goal. Um, Arteta and uh, their uh, I think director of player personnel, Edu, like had a... Uh, the intention of kind of clearing the decks, so to speak, of a lot of personnel, um, a lot of players who are holdovers from previous eras of Arsenal and don't fit Arteta's playing style. And so um, I, I think even though like it, there was not a transfer fee involved in a lot of these, uh, Ozil or Mustafi, for instance, it is just good for the team to kind of like pare down the squad, uh, not have these conversations hanging over them anymore. And it's good for the player as well. You know, Mustafa gets to go back to Germany. Um, he gets to uh, hopefully get regular minutes. Schalke obviously want him. They, I think they're he's still his career's far from over. Um, and then Liverpool needed to strengthen their back line. So the result of all this is they, they get Kabak. So I think everybody wins. All right. Thank you for that, Justin. Uh, next one is Brian Reynolds uh, from FC Dallas to Roma. Uh, I'm going to take this one. The winner here is probably the United States of America because this is a player that we, I honestly didn't know about. I don't, I don't know if any of you on, on, the, on this pod know, knows about this player, but um, he, yeah, he went to Roma and uh, maybe this is a good sign in. Uh, for for the United States because I, I'm thinking Roma will train him and he will become a good player and then end up uh, helping the United States in their conquest to win the World Cup. But let's move on to Jesse Lingard uh, from United to West Ham. Uh, Manny, do you have anything to say about uh, about this one? Yeah, um, I think you know he did well in his debut. I mean, obviously he scored a brace, um, but you know, just caution to the wind. We've seen this before with Lingard going out on loan, you know, this is what he does. And um, I think that, you know, he's, he's one of those players that has all the talent, but uh, again, there's that, you know, there's always that question of, inc- uh, of consistency. And I think we're going to see that now. I do think for him, it, it bodes well for West Ham as well. Uh, just seeing how West Ham have been doing this season. Um, I think that's a win for, for West Ham. Um, and also, uh, for Manchester United because now he's not, you know, competing with uh, the likes of um, Marshall, Rashford, um, you know, uh, Greenwood and some of these other players. So I think uh, it'll overall be a, a win-win situation when it's all said and done. Sounds good. Hey, um, Justin, you got Odegaard uh, on loan from Madrid, uh, moved to Arsenal. Uh, who's, who's the winner and loser here? Um, Arsenal, big time winners with this move. Um, Odegaard needed to continue his career, continue his trajectory. You know, he's tipped as such a high, like, um, highly sought after talent, um, since his teenage years. So I think it's good for him. Uh, good for Arsenal. A little curious for me to think that Real Madrid didn't, didn't see him in their plans for this season, but, um, you know, they, they, they're doing fine, I guess, without him. So um, I think Arsenal are the big winners, though, that they can finally have that number 10 uh, that they've been seeking, at least for the end of this, until the end of this year. 
Manny, Pablo Gomez went from Atalanta to Sevilla. He was sold given the, the, uh, the spat he had with Gasparini, the coach. Um, are Atalanta going to lose? Are, are they the losers here? No, um, you know, at first glance, I would say that there were losers, but statistically, Atalanta has actually played better and gotten more points per match after Papu left. Um, it's kind of crazy to think that because if you've seen Papu and, and Atalanta the last few seasons, everything uh, that Atalanta put out um, offensively went through him. He was the, the orchestrator of that entire team, you know, the, a true number 10 as they say, a creative player, you know, could score, could pass, um, you know, could do everything. So I was actually surprised when uh, the, the fallout was as big as it, as it actually was. Sevilla is definitely a winner here, and it looks like Atalanta is as well, uh, you know, just because they managed to get him off the books. He got rid of that negativity and, you know, the toxicity in the locker room. Um, and um, he scored for Sevilla. So, you know, he's already doing what he's known for. Uh, so I think, again, uh, both winners. And uh, last but not the least, let's talk about Sebastian Halle. Uh, I think I'm going to give this one to Manny also because I think you'll have uh, a lot of things to say about this. Uh, but, yes, Halle went from West Ham to Ajax, uh, and then something happened. So who was who the loser here and who is the winner here? So <laughs> um, winner is obviously um, Ajax and West Ham because – Let's be honest, he wasn't doing anything at West Ham at all. Um, West Ham managed to get Antonio back, and Antonio has started to look like his old self, so they're not going to miss him. Um, you know, Haller went on to score, I think, a brace in, like, his first game with Ajax as well, so, you know, he kicked things off right. Um, Ajax is the winner here, but they're also the loser, and that's because, you know, they forgot to actually um, go ahead and put him and register him um, uh, for European competition. So, you know, you bring in a player that's obviously hit the ground running and then you forget to register him for European competition. So IX winners and losers in the two week spans. That is crazy. Thank you so much, guys. This was very interesting. Let's talk about the Syria real quick. Um, I'm not going to say much about this because I don't want to bore our EPL fans, uh, but I just want to say this. There is a real race going on in the Serie A. Inter Milan and Milan are fighting for the top spot. Right now, Milan is top with just two points ahead of Inter Milan. Juve also won against Roma 2-0. Looks like uh, Juve and Pierlo has figured out how to, the mojo of Juventus. Um, and then let's talk about Napoli uh, Genoa. Um, Napoli again losing to a small team, not really a small team, but a mid-table team. Um, and to me personally, I think Gattuso is probably on the way out of Napoli. Um, and uh, another team I want to talk about is Atalanta. They had a very crazy game this weekend against Torino. Torino, a very bad team, um, you know, sacked their coach um, earlier this season. Um, but Atalanta was up 3-0. And, and in the second half, Torino came back uh, amazing. But the one part I want to stop at is Milan versus Crotone. Uh, that happened today, 4-0. You can bet that I watched that game. I woke up early to watch that game. Um, but the notable thing here is Zlatan has now scored 500 goals for club. Um, I think about 560 or something 
for uh, club and country. Uh, but what a player Zlatan is for Milan. Uh, Justin, do you do you want to say anything about him reaching this milestone? Uh, it's amazing. It's great. Uh, you and I have talked in the past about how of that generation, you know, Zlatan's a couple years older than Ronaldo and Messi, but I would consider him in that same generation. And if it wasn't for players like Messi and Ronaldo, uh, I think Zlatan would be pretty universally recognized as perhaps the best of, of that stock. So congrats to him. Congrats to Milan for, for having him on the squad because he brings so much to you guys. Hey, sorry, you said congrats to Milan. Do you want to say that louder for people in the back so that they can hear you? Uh, congrats to Milan. I'll say it uh, as many times as you'd like because I, I, I'm going to say it because I, I'm going to eat a little crow here because as an EPL watcher who has previously been bored to tears by listening to you talk about Syria, um, I have ESPN Plus. Anybody out there who has ESPN Plus, it's part of like, you know, whatever Disney package that they're, that they're running. Um, it's cheap and you get access to these Serie A games. And since I have it, I've started to watch them and I can see what Bori's talking about. There's a lot of good games in there. Um, and Milan are a fun team to watch. Thank you for that, Justin. Um, I don't know if I can say the same about Arsenal, but maybe next week uh, okay. we can talk I'm about take back this. everything I just said. Cancel your subscriptions. Don't get it if you don't have it. Never watch this like BS Farmers League ever again. I'll, All I'll right. <laughs> All right, enough of that nonsense. That was that was really fun. Um, but let's let's move on to Manny now. Manny is really here to talk about Chelsea. Um, Chelsea, a team that has sacked a coach this season, and this is not a surprise because they do this. It seems like every other year. Uh, but Manny, let's start out with um, why in the world did you decide to start supporting a team like Chelsea? Good question. Uh... <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, so it's funny. Um, one of my favorite players, Chelsea players, um, is actually Gianfranco Zola. Um, and I don't know for, well, Bori, you're a Serie A fan, but uh, not a lot of people know that uh, Gianfranco Zola actually played at Napoli with Maradona and was actually supposed to be kind of the person, the player that would take over Maradona. And um, in my household, like many Latin American households, you know, in the 80s, Maradona is like the GOAT, right? Like there is no ifs, ands, or buts. Like that's it. Like he is the greatest of all time. He was my dad's favorite player. So, you know, watched a lot of like Serie A, you know, when Serie A was good. And, um, and I'm looking at you, Bora. Yeah. When Serie A was competitive, you know, and good. And um, I just remember watching him and I was like, wow, this is the guy that's going to take over. He had the qualities, you know, nobody can be like Maradona, but you could see there were glimpses and flashes of like, you know, greatness there. And so fast forward to when he ends up moving later on in his career to Chelsea, you know, and I was like, oh, you know, kind of remembering my childhood, my youth of watching him play in from Napoli, you know, um, you know, that just kind of took off from there. And it just happened to be around the time that um, I remember him scoring like an amazing goal against Norwich City. Um, if, you know, for anybody that that hasn't seen it, like Google, like Zola, uh, Norwich City goal, like it's amazing. You know, it's like one of those things that only happens like once in a lifetime kind of goals, you know, for certain players. Um, so add that to the fact that one of my cousins that we're really close to has always been an Arsenal fan. And naturally, if you 
you know, if you root for Arsenal, you, you know, it's going to be, it's got to be Chelsea. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, you know, I always hated cause we always competed. We're really close in age. You know, he's only like a few months older than me. We always competed in everything, you know? Um, so that was one more thing to add to the list of competition. So that's how I became a Chelsea fan and got lucky that around that time we started, you know, Abramovich took over the club and started bringing in, you know, world-class talent. So it's only added more to that passion that I feel. That is an awesome story. Thank you, Manny, for that. Uh, but let's bring it back to real reality here because um, uh, there's a lot that went on this, this season uh, uh, with Lampard, uh, obviously a, a legend of, of Chelsea. Um, so I'm going to ask you what were the good things and what were the bad things about Lampard as the coach of Chelsea? Yeah, um, you know, when you bring in a, a legend, a club legend to to manage a team, that team uh, that they played for, you know, it could go one of two ways, right? You know, it could be really, could end really well or could kind of taint the legacy of, of that, of that player, of that legend. Right. And, you know, for, for me, um, just thinking back about how this whole thing started, um, I don't think that there were really many coaches out there that would have taken the job at Chelsea at the time that Lampard did. What I mean by that is, you know, for, for, you know, those folks, I forgot, we had just sold our, probably our most influential player of the, of the last decade in Hazard to Real Madrid, right? We lose him. Um, we get hit with a transfer ban. And so we can't sign any players. And you think about just the list of coaches out there. Um, don't think there would be very many that would come into a job at a club, especially of the caliber of Chelsea with the expectations like you said, it's no secret that, you know, that uh, if you don't deliver at Chelsea, you know, you are let go of, right? You know, that's what the club comes to expect. And for all of the um, of the coaches that have been let go, like you, you can't really argue with the, uh, the method because they have been winning, you know, like, like history, if you look at it consistently, when someone's let go, the next coach tends to win something more or less, you know? And so for me, the good things that Lampard did was, you know, he came into the club and whether it was something that he saw the club was in need of, you know, and, and maybe it was a bit of a PR move. I don't know for actually taking it, you know, the club was divided at that time. We, you know, with hazard leaving the whole sorry fiasco, you know, everything that was going on, like the club was actually divided at the fan base. So we needed somebody to unify the club, which he did, you know, um, who better to integrate the youth? Like to Justin's point earlier, he mentioned that, you know, Lampard integrated the youth and actually I think like over delivered, um, with that squad. But again, um, he knew these players from their time at the Academy. These were all Academy players that were coming up that just needed a chance. I don't think anybody else would have given them a chance. You know, when we look at the coaches that we've had in the past Mourinho, there's no way that youth players get a chance under Marino, right? You know, sorry, you know, he, he started incorporating a few players here and there, but, you know, nobody would have been able to take it to that level like Lampard did with our youth, uh, our youth system and our youth players. The bad thing, again, I think this job came a few years too early, too soon. Um, he did decent at in the championship level with Derby County. And again, he used 
players like Tamori, Mason Mount to help him out and kind of, you know, implement his style of football. But that's the championship is one thing and the Premier League is another. And the Premier League is ruthless, you know. We've seen it time and time again. Um, and I think like that experience, the way that he was certainly deploying some of the players and some of his tactics or lack of, you know, you get that with experience. So um, I think that's where, you know, that was his downfall. It just came too soon, too fast. Got it. Thank you so much, Manny. So it seems like he, he, he integrated the youths and which was a good thing. Uh, but uh, it seems like from what you're saying, the job came too early. Um, I, I completely agree with you uh, on those both points. Um, but let's move on to the new chapter. Uh, Tuchel is now the coach of Chelsea. Obviously, uh, he was fired uh, from PSG um, and then now hired by Chelsea, which I think is a weird thing to do in the same season. Uh, but uh, tell me what you expect from uh, a coach like Tuchel. Yeah, Tuchel. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things that have been said about him, uh, most notably that um, – you know, his biggest downfall is that he's he's got this uh, personality, this strong personality that, quote unquote, always clashes with management. That doesn't matter because you're at Chelsea. So you probably won't be here longer than 18, 20 months anyways. Right. As long as he delivers, like that's what we're looking for. Um, and you forget, like quickly forget that even though he was let go at PSG, he still managed to uh, accomplish a lot while he was there. I mean. Just a few months ago, he was in the Champions League final with PSG, you know, like he, he, he almost I think it was like one of the few times that uh, PSG has ever gotten that far or maybe got that far period in the in the competition. So that was already an accomplishment. You know, um, he had won. Uh, you know, he's a he's a proven serial winner, uh, you know, domestically um, in Germany, um, as well as in uh, France. Um, and I think more importantly, uh, he checks off a lot of boxes at the moment. Um, he was probably the most qualified candidate at the moment. If, if I'm being honest, if you look at just like the names that are out there of coaches, um, he speaks German, he knows these players, he has a lot of connection and, um, uh, he was actually the person, the, the coach that gave Christian Pulisic his, his shot at, um, at Borussia Dortmund, which a lot of folks don't know. Um, obviously, he has a connection with Thiago Silva, who, in my opinion, is our best signing of the season, um, you know. And so I think like there's there's that connection that really goes a long way. I mean, you know, could he have been brought on as well to make the most of uh, our German talents that we just spent a boatload of money signing? Yeah, probably as well. Uh, but I do like kind of what I've seen so far in the first few matches. Um, you know, we won't see really what what this team looks like until we have a, 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 a proper preseason. So, Yep, uh, very good. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Chelsea is doing very well, surprisingly. Uh, but this next question for you is more of a joke uh, because I see that uh, Chelsea is always linked with a, a goalkeeper every season or every half season. Um, so I'm going to ask you this question. The question is, do you think you need a new goalkeeper? Do I think we need a new goalkeeper? Um, honestly, no. We can't afford a new goalkeeper. I mean, we signed the most. We have the most expensive goalkeeper in the world on our books, on our bench. 
Um, you know, so there's no way that doesn't make any sense at all unless we are able to move Keppa somehow, some way. It's not happening. Uh, Keppa to us is like what Ozil it was to Arsenal. So we're just hoping that it doesn't drag on as long as, uh, you know, Ozil was at, uh, as a, at a Arsenal. So no, we don't. I hear rumblings of Donnarumma because he's a free agent. Um, but he's represented by Mino Raiola. And if you know Chelsea, you know that um, uh, the chairwoman, uh, Granoskaya, actually does not deal with Mino Raiola. Like that, that's, you know, a public known like fact. Like she doesn't like him, um, you know, for obvious issues. Mino is who Mino is. So I don't think we're going to do any business with them. And um, Mendy's looked um, better than I expected, you know, all things considered. So, no, I don't think we're going to we, – we can put that past. All right. Sounds good. Um, yeah, please don't steal the Naruma from us. Um, next question. Um, the Champions League is coming next week, uh, uh, you know, which is crazy that we're very close to the group state uh, – to the round of 16. Um, just want to – What's your feeling about Champions League and Chelsea? Are you are you counting yourself out? Do you think the focus will be the, the EPL and getting top four for next season? Yeah, I have mixed feelings about this one. Um, I'm not going to say I was excited about the draw. I, I definitely think that Let's Go was probably one of the stronger teams in that pot. Um, you know, we can see by their performances in, in La Liga, you know, they're dominating. I believe they're 10, 11 points ahead with, uh, with a game in hand or a few games in hand. Um, so they have the benefit of actually being able to maybe focus a little more on Champions League than they would on La Liga, you know, um, whereas like we're pretty much every game's like a final for us at the moment. But I do feel more comfortable with Tuchel um, because he has all that experience in the Champions League. Um, one thing I do want to call out that may be the turning point or the deciding factor in, um, in the actual Champions League uh, fixtures um is the travel restrictions like we've seen you know the rise of covid and the different strains in europe and i know that there's a uh, different all the different countries have their own travel restrictions so last i heard this game is actually not even going to be played in madrid or in spain i think they're looking for a venue outside uh, a neutral venue to play um again you know covid is the question mark, right? You know, here, like, you know, if we have players that get, you know, sick or vice, you know, vice versa for Atletico Madrid, I don't know what the what Champions League or what UEFA will do, you know, whether they be suspend the game or postpone it, you know. So we'll see how that goes. Yep, scary stuff out there. Um, uh, but let, let's see how it goes. Uh, and the final question for you, uh, Manny, um, we see that Chelsea is currently fifth. Um, on the table, one point away from fourth place, Liverpool, and four points away from uh, third place, Leicester City. Um, what do you think will happen this season with Chelsea? Are they going to be top four Europa League or just below below that? So this is the toughest season to call um, because of all the factors that we've seen. You know, this has been an up and down season. Um, but I think in true Chelsea fashion, I think we will find a way to get into one of those European competition spots. Um, I do think, however, it will uh, be a lot closer. The table will look a lot closer than it actually is um, based on all the compounded fixtures that are upcoming. Um, I think we have something like 
uh, 12 matches in like 27 days or something, something insane like that. And, uh, you know, in the next month or so month and a half. Um, so if we can avoid any major injuries, I think we have a good shot. I, I think there's going to be a lot of changes in the table, um, at the end of the season. Um, but I think we'll find a way to, to actually get into those. All right. Thank you so much, Manny. Uh, that was very, uh, uh very insightful to hear. Uh, your experience with Chelsea, and uh, thanks for all your uh, answers and insights. Uh, let's move on to our next uh, segment. Uh, we're calling this the yellow card or red card, um, and this is Manny Coined, by the way. Um, now, this segment, the point of the segment is uh, each of us, we're going to come up with a particular situation, or maybe it's a player, or maybe it's a team, or, or whatever in the, in the football world, uh, and basically just tell us who deserves a yellow card or who deserves a red card? And I, I will start. I'll start with uh, with with my my list. Um, obviously, the Milan derby between Inter Milan and AC Milan happened a few weeks ago. And yeah, I don't know if you remember, but Lukaku and Ibrahimovic uh, had a basically a spat. Um, and I, I want to give both of them a yellow card. I think Lukaku, yes, very you know usually cool headed normally, uh, but somehow he lost his cool. So he needs to be cautioned. He needs to make sure that he doesn't put his team in, in jeopardy. And same goes for, for Zlatan. Um, I mean, I know Zlatan is, could be hot-headed, especially when he was at PSG. Um, so, uh, you know, just giving both of them a yellow card and making sure that, hey, you know, caution yourself and, and don't put your team in jeopardy. And now for my red card, my red card is definitely Marseille. Um, Marseille, the fans of Marseille, I don't know if you've seen this, but you've Googled this, everyone listening, uh, Marseille, the, the fans are, are really angry with the, you know, with the team and just nothing is going correct, you know, right for them at the moment. Um, but the, I think the fans took it a little too far and they basically set fire to the training ground, one of the buildings on the training ground, which is very, very absurd that you would do that to a club that you love. Um, but yeah, I'm giving them the straight red card. Um, Justin, I'm going to ask you for yours um, and maybe you can start up with your yellow card and tell us your red card. Yeah, um, this is a great segment. So props to Manny for coming up with this. Uh, it's kind of fun. Um, my yellow card this week, it's going to go to Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola, both for um, their intense debate on what constitutes two weeks. Uh, Klopp made a comment uh, in the lead up to this weekend's game that Manchester City had benefited the most from the pandemic, essentially. Uh, was his gist was that Manchester City had some two weeks um, of downtime or like, you know, a period of two weeks between a couple of their games this season to which Pep Guardiola responded very vociferously saying, no, actually it was only eight days. You know, two weeks is 14 days. It's not two weeks. And they went back and forth on along these lines. Um, and in the end, I think, especially after we see the result, Klopp was basically just making uh, some excuses it seems like and pep even after today's game pep brought up the comment again something about you know to the effect of um you know like uh, we don't need two weeks or something like that but the a little bit of a a, a petty disagreement kind of harkened back a little bit to me for when pep and uh, jose Mourinho used to clash when they were both in spain um and at the end of the day like it's what happens on the field that's going to make a difference for these managers so uh, that's my yellow card. Um, and my red card is going to be it's, uh, a straight red, much like the one he showed to Sushek this past weekend. 
Uh, that's goalkeeper, I mean, I'm sorry, that's referee Mike Dean, um, who spent a, I don't know, 30 to uh, 50 minutes reviewing on VAR a tiny incident where Sushek, uh, while contesting at the edge of the box for a free kick, uh, trying to get create some space accidentally, I think we can all agree, uh, hit Mitrovic in the head with his elbow. And um, after an extensive review on the VAR system, somehow Mike Dean deemed that that was a red card. So uh, I'm going to flip it, red card to Mike Dean, and also to just the VAR system in England in general, I think. Yes, I think a lot of uh, EPL fans will definitely agree with you about the red card on VAR. Uh, Manny, uh, you're, you're the last one, uh, so make this one good. Uh, tell us your yellow card and your red card. So I'm going to switch it up a little bit here. I'm going to give two yellows, which equals red, to Ajax. The Ajax football club. All right, so we already spoke about how they managed to sign uh, Sebastian Haller, and he did well, you know, hit the ground running. But you forget to actually register him for, a, you know, for the Europa League. Like, how does that even happen? You know what I mean? Like, the guy's scoring. He's a starter. And you just overlook that, you know, and I don't know like what the procedure is to um, get that, you know, in order, but I don't know if it's as easy as like, you know, hitting up like Wi-Fi and being like, Hey guys, I, we need to make a chain. So that's my first yellow. My second yellow for Ajax is re in regards to uh, Unana, the goalkeeper who actually got a year's worth of suspension for doping. All right. Now I don't know what's going on at that club, but clearly there's something, there's a disconnect going on there, all right? So those are my two yellows equal a red, IX football club. Wow, that, I did not see that coming. Uh, one club getting the two yellows makes sense. Uh, that, that was a very good one. Uh, thank you, Manny. Um, and, and fun fact, um, Onana's girlfriend is, is pregnant. So maybe, was he actually doping? We, we don't know. Uh, maybe if, he was, if he's actually doping or he's just trying to take some time off and take care of his kid. But uh, let's move on to my favorite part of the episode. Usually I'll be the one saying the facts, but this time around our guest, Manny, is going to say the random fact of the episode. Manny, what you got for us? Yeah, so I have one that uh, hits close to home with you, Bori, as well as me. Uh, for you, it's because uh, this player is uh, Nigerian. Fun fact, a lot of people do not know this. But it's about Lord Barkles, a.k.a. Ross Barkley. Uh, his favorite food is actually jollof rice, which is a typical Nigerian dish. And the reason why I came up with this fact uh, is because watching Chelsea, it is clear that we need a player that can, a midfielder, that can actually carry the ball through the lines and is able to shoot on target and score goals. And I really hope that Chelsea can bring him back and incorporate him into the team because we currently do not have that type of player. So that is my fun fact. I mean, Manny, you just, you know, you just blew me away with that fact. That is awesome to see. My favorite dish is also jollof rice, obviously. Um, and it's, it's good to see that someone like Barkley, uh, you know, is also a fan of jollof rice. So thank you so much for that uh, random fact. And uh, uh, thank you to Justin again for, you know, stepping in for Suleiman as always. Uh, and also Manny, thank you so much.
for coming in and talking about Chelsea. Um, and that's all we have today. Uh, we are all we are on all podcast platforms: uh, Spotify, Android Podcast, and also Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter um, on the 4th official SP. That is our handle. Uh, give us a follow there, and we'll post all future episodes. But I say we come back next week, Justin, and talk about the the Champions League. Yes, absolutely. That sounds good. Yes. So see you all next week. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and bye bye.